Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I want to get right into what we're doing tonight, faith to live by God's plan is what I'm talking about tonight. Now, this is the last in the series that we have done on the faith to whatever the topic has been. And I wanted to end with this one tonight because I think it's very important for us to believe and understand that God has a plan for each of our lives. I, I, I just... I think a lot of times we don't understand this, and and we have to have the faith to live by that. Well, how do I have the faith to live by God's plan? I, I want us to know that it's a faith move for you to believe that God's Word has a plan for your life in it. Because you can read the Word, and you can not see it applicable to the plan for your life. You can just read it like a history book, or you can read it. But I love to read the book and go, okay, God, what is it in your word today that I can apply to the plan that you have for my life? It's just very important. For us to live different than the plan for God's word that is revealed to us in there... It's just foolish for us to live different. We need to vote. We need to raise our children. We we need to live life. We need to go to work. We need to get all of our information on living by God's plan out of the Word of God. And it's foolish for us to get it anywhere else. And for the last several years, our world's done a really good job of trying to get you to live by their plan. And I have found the more I am in the Word, the more I realize Oftentimes, the world's plan is contrary to God's plan. And so I I want to know how to have faith to live by God's plan. The simple message to having faith to live by God's plan is just live by his word. And if you do that, you'll be living by his plan because his word has the plan for your life in it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus told him no. And then he goes, the scriptures say... People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, what are we to live by? God has a plan for our life. We're to live by his word. Jesus said that plain as day. It was a response to the enemy uh, when he was being tempted. And and he just said, hey, listen, you you can know that you can call bread. You can do whatever you need to do. And he said, well, well, I'm not tempting God. What I'm going to do is tell you that I am to live by the words God says. And he'll take care of everything else. We've got to live by God's plan. We've got to line ourselves up with the word of God in every way. As we're getting biblical in our thinking, I've got to go through this real quick. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. I'm not reading all of them tonight. We can see God's plan and how his plan is for us. All of our life should be working within his plan. Genesis 1, let me just tell you, here's his plan. He created us. So he has a plan for his creation. Genesis 1, God created. Chapter 2, verse 9. 
God placed in the middle of the garden the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want you to understand that the first time I finally had some revelation on this, it was like this light bulb moment for me. What did the trees represent? And I was always given the historical account of what they were. But let me give you just a general life application of what the tree represents. It represents you having a choice. Man was the only thing that could think independently. It was at that tree that man could make a decision. Every time he didn't eat of the tree, he chose God's way. And then when he finally ate of the tree, he chose not God's way. And I mean, I don't know how we can get caught up on this idea that you don't have any choices in life. From the very beginning, God created you and then he gave you a choice. That's just the way he made it. Nothing else was given the choice. They didn't have the ability to choose. No choice was given to the sun of whether or not it should shine or not. Here, you can shine today, but today, t- tomorrow, I-, I don't think you ought to shine. It don't have a choice. No choice to the fish of whether they can live in the water or on land. I mean, they, they, they don't have a choice. See, mankind's the only thing in all of creation given the ability to make a choice. The problem has been and always will be when we make a choice contrary to God's will, you send yourself into frustration. Right. Every time. Sometimes you make a choice against the word intentionally, and sometimes you make a choice against the word unintentionally. Now, if you do it intentionally, I would say, and you know what the word says, and you go against it intentionally, you're in rebellion. You're going against and you're choosing not God. I don't want to be obedient. I don't want to listen to what he says. Now, if, if you go with the word and you're intentional, then you're living at peace in the, in the promises of God. Now, there are other times that it's unintentional, and it's due to a lack of knowledge. Well, I went against the word, but I didn't know the word said that. I don't know if you've ever had revelation. You're like, well, I used to do that all the time, and I didn't see anything wrong with it. And then you just start getting into the word, and the more you read the word, you're like, okay, I probably shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, did that make it okay when you didn't know? No. It just meant that you weren't doing it the way God... And we have a ton of Christian people that don't know they're living against the word and they're not being intentionally living against it. They're unintentionally, but they're wondering why they're not living in the blessings that come from an intentional lifestyle. Now, there may be some exceptions to all of that, but I'm trying to be kind of black and white so I can talk about a few things that I want to move forward into. Um, As we read in Genesis, man and woman... They chose bad. They didn't make a good choice. Young people, never think that you can disobey God without consequences. And if you have done that as an adult, you know exactly what I'm talking about. See, they, Adam and Eve created some real problems by wrong choices. With the absence of God, they could no longer fulfill their purpose from God. Now, just think about these. When you are in a place you were not created to be, there's knots in your stomach and life is no fun. For you to live and have life abundant, you have to get a hold of a plan that God has for your life. You've got to make a choice to be obedient to the Word of God. I talk to young people all the time 
and, and they'll say, you know, I, I know I kind of messed that up, but I, I'll do better when I get older. Or I'm, I'll make better choices later. And, and I've heard that, I've read that, I've seen that all of my life. I was that. And my encouragement for you today is to decide regardless of your age or where you're at, don't wait till a later time to make a right choice. When you don't choose God, you're actually choosing the enemy by default. Well, I didn't mean to not choose God. Well, when you don't choose God, you choose the enemy. And it just... It is that black and white. So imagine this. If a cow is given a choice, the cow's given a choice. Mama cow says, hey, I encourage you, baby cow. Choose the good life in the field. But if you choose not, you can do whatever you want because, come on, you just got to believe in yourself and you can do whatever you want. The cow says, Baby cows, I, I don't want to live in a field and I don't want to eat grass. I want to eat some nuts. And I really want to bounce around from limb to limb. I want to jump from this limb and jump to this limb. And, 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 and I, I, I want to wag my tail for balance, just like the squirrels do. And it's my life and I'm not going to have anyone tell me how to live. And that's what I'm going to do. They're not forcing their religion on me. Mr. Cow, Mr. Baby Cow needs to know nothing in life's going to work for you. You have a lot of falls ahead of you. You go ahead and start climbing that tree and just let's see how it works. To use a Dr. Phil phrase, how is that working for you? Just like a a squirrel trying to live underwater, just like a fish trying to chew a cud, don't, don't be surprised when nothing works out for you and you continue to fall and be frustrated. See, all of nature knows that they were created with a plan and they live in it. But in a lot of ways, we have to understand, they didn't really have a choice. And I see teenagers growing up starting to learn that life is full of a bunch of choices and they get tired of listening to what their parents say. And they're crying and they're frustrated and nothing's working for them. And what I'm telling you is they've just totally violated God's plan. You, you can all day long stay out of the word, but when you violate the word, just because you're out of it doesn't give you the peace to know that life's still going to work. It's not. God's word is the way life works. And you've got to figure your plan out. If you're out of God's will for your life, you're just like a fish out of water or a cow in a tree. Now, our only hope for survival is to make a choice to be obedient to the way God set it up. And I have watched young people, and I'm not on young people, it just seems to start out at a very early season of life, make choices that cause them a lot of frustrations, and sometimes it causes them frustration into their later adult years. And I just, I think it's important to understand that obedience to the way God set it up is important. Why is it important for you to be in church tonight? I don't know if you've asked yourself that question. You might say, because I like to still live at home and my mom and dad said I had to come. I, I don't know. But I'm asking you why it's important to be in church. Why is it important to be around God's people? I believe that it's a real significant way to learn more about living based on his kingdom principles. He set it up. 
daily we need to be studying on how to know the Word, how to live by the Word. And, and, and there's just so many mess-ups that could be avoided if we would just learn Scripture and live by the Scripture. But always know this, you can know the Scripture and still make a choice not to live by it. Happens often. But I, I, I find myself all the time asking a question. Should I do this? Should I not do this? I, I don't know about you, but we have all have choices that we're having to make. Should I go bow fishing tonight or should I not? Should I go golfing this Saturday or should I? See, hobbies become a big question for me a lot. So I'm asking that all, I'm, I, I, and for years I'd ask myself that question and I would immediately say yes to everything you can. That's kind of how I live. And so, yeah, should I go fishing? You bet. Should I go hunting? You bet. Should I go do this? You bet. That's, that's just say yes. Should I buy a new truck? Absolutely. But I, I started realizing, okay, just saying yes isn't the right answer. And just saying no is not the right answer. So then I think, well, what should I do? I need God to tell me. And I ask myself questions all the time because I want to be in his plan. And so I want to know if his plan was that truck. Is his plan golfing? Is his plan this? Is his plan me going on vacation or not? Is where should I go on vacation? What truck should I buy? What size of house or value of house should I live in? Where should my kids go to school? I mean, there are questions that I've had in life, and these are my questions that I've had to ask myself, and I was, I've made good choices and I've made bad choices, and all of us here know that you probably have two. Should I stay married or not? Oh, I, I know no one here has ever asked that question, but it might come up in your mind sometimes, and you're like, well, I'm, I, I'm not wanting to ask God that. Here's a good question. Should I eat this or should I not? <laughs> should I go to this church? Should I stay in this church? Should I go to that church? Should I? How about who should I date? Or how can I choose a mate? So many questions. And we attempt to have the Bible answer all of these. And so many times it's just not there. I mean, I tried to find Michelle's name in the Bible, and it, it, it wasn't there. So how do I know that I married the right one? And so when the question comes up, should I stay married, I've got, well, I never found her name in the Bible. So God didn't really tell me, and then we're confused of whether or not we should stay. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? These are what we face and so, so many of us were raised knowing that the Holy Spirit's the revealer of truth. Please know I'm not making fun of him. So we ask him, Holy Spirit, tell me which truck to buy. And then we don't hear and we're, oh, I, I need to know. And we go into life thinking that God is going to make every decision because we have the revealer of truth. Praise God we have the revealer of truth. But we get to a place where we're so spiritual, we lose our practicality on how to live life. And we don't understand that God gave us, not the cow, not the fish, the ability to choose. So how do we choose? How do we choose? A real comfort for me years ago and a real revelation in my life 
is all of my Christian life was not as black and white as I was taught that it was. Now, you got to hear me. When God says, thou shalt not, that's black and white. And we've got a world that don't understand that. But it's not that black and white on whether or not you should buy a Ford or a Chevy. It is. Yeah, I'm, I knew I'd step on somebody's toes tonight. But, but here's the deal. I mean, I, I had to figure this out because one side of my family was Chevy and one side was Ford, and I was kind of Toyota. What are we going to do? I don't really know. I'm confused. And every decision that I had to make, I wanted to do with God. But I also wanted to have a say in it. You know? <laughs> and so what do I do? All right, let me just give you two points that I learned a long time ago to live by. And it's really helped me out. And I just think that it might help somebody tonight. Here's the first one. I'm getting ready to make a choice. So the first question that I ask, is there a scripture to help me with this choice? And I ask myself that, and you know I do that all the time. Before I get ready to make a decision on something, I ask, is there a scripture? And we live in a day and age that Google is helpful. You, you, I mean, you can use it for a lot of wrong, but hey, I, if you ask any question and you put Bible, it'll give you scripture. And so that's what I do, because I want to know what the Bible says about this. So if I've got a question, and I, I, I didn't do it, but it might be fun, Ford or Chevy, Bible. I don't know. There's a lot of acronyms for both of them, and I'm not going through any of those tonight. So the first one is, is there a scripture to help me with my choice? The second one is, what wisdom will there be in making this decision? Now, that's a great question, and we got to break that one down a little bit. Because keep in mind, wisdom, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles... Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All right, so is there wisdom in this decision? You know, you could say, is there Jesus in this decision? Is there Jesus in this decision? And so I, I under this second question, is there wisdom in making this? Here's how I know that there will be or there won't be. First one is, how will it affect me long-term and short-term? Is this going to put me into a good position with Jesus or bad? And I've got to fill out all those things. I mean, what is it? Is this the right decision? I just don't know if it's right or not. Well, is it short-term going to put you in a better position? Is the wisdom good? Short-term and long-term. Here's the second thing. How will it affect those closest to me short-term and long-term? I try really hard not to make a decision, and I, and I have. So don't look at my wife, just look at me right now. But I, I try really hard to, before I make that decision, that I ask myself how this will affect the one closest to me in this life, short-term and long-term. Because I'm married, and I've got to make sure that if I make this decision and I'm putting her in some type of a strain or a relationship in a strain, Oh, what, what's the wisdom there? And here's the, the third little ABC under my second point. So this would be C. How will it affect the kingdom of God? 
short-term and long-term. Lots of decisions that we have in life. And you've got to ask that. I'll throw one more in for you. You've got to ask that for all parts of your being, your body, your soul, and your spirit. How's this going to affect me physically? How's this going to affect me spiritually in my walk with, the, with God day in and day out? I'm not saying I'm going to lose my salvation, but it's going to draw me towards him or away from him. How's this going to affect my mind, will, and emotions? Am I, can I emotionally handle the decision I'm getting ready to make? You know, you're where you are right now. And for those of you that are sitting in here, you're at 802 Riley Drive sitting in church this evening. I don't know if you knew that or not. For those of you that are wondering where you're at, that's where you're at. For those of you that might be listening to this on podcast, you're wherever you are right now. And I want you to know that you are where you are spiritually, you're where you are physically, and you're where you are mentally, all based on a whole bunch of choices that you've made that landed you right here. Is that deep? We're, we're in a little philosophy class tonight. You're where you are based on all of your choices. And some want to get all spiritual and say, no, it was all God. Yeah, but you had to choose God. So if it was God that you're here and you say, okay, I'm going to give credit to God, praise God for doing that. But you still, praise God, made the choice to do what God said. It was your choice. His way for you to end up where he wants you. Now, some of you may be sitting there and go, blah, 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 blah in your mind. Really? I know all of that. Well, and you're right where you are right now and thinking like you are based on your choice. You have a choice to think that way. And I'm just telling you, I can't manufacture what you're thinking. You have a choice to think what you're thinking every day, every minute of every day. I'm going to switch, just kind of change gears for a second here. We teach in parenting four phases of parenting. There are four phases in parenting. And for those of you that are not... Parents, you need to know these. For those of you that are parents, you need to figure out which phase you should be in. And for those of you that are not parents yet, you can remember your mom and dad and see if they implemented these four phases. So it gives you something to think about. Here's the first one, the discipline stage. The second stage is the training stage. And the third stage is the coaching stage. And the fourth stage is the friendship stage. Now, I'm not teaching on parenting tonight, but I believe that our relationship with the Lord is all three of these depending on what is needed at the time. I've been thinking a lot about this. Now, let me, let me explain because I think it's really important. When we're raising our kids, if a child is not disciplined, they can't be trained. If they're not trained, they can't be coached. You can't coach a basketball team that hasn't been trained to at least dribble the ball. So they got to be disciplined to be trained. they got to be trained to be coached. And then after they leave the coaching stage or phase, then they jump into this really cool place, and it's called friendship. I really like this stage, and other times I can't stand it at all with my own kids. I, I really, really enjoy being friends with Kenan and Tristan. And I, I just, I do. They're, they're friends of mine. 
And it's hard for me as a parent not to want to jump in every once in a while and coach them. Because see, coaches will tell you what you need even when you don't want to hear it. But every time I jump out of the friendship stage and I try to jump into coaching them, what happens is I'm in danger of not being friends. Now, a lot of people get this messed up and they try to be in the friendship stage when they should be disciplining or when they should be training. This is all parenting. And if you have never heard any of this, you really ought to go to our parenting class that starts next Sunday. But, but hear this. I believe that the Lord has such a relationship with his people that he gives us whatever stage we're needed as our father. There are times I believe that I'm being disciplined. But you know what? I'm being disciplined by a good father. And he, he's not killing me. And he's not beating me down for me never to be able to get up again. He's trying to teach me through discipline that I need to put myself in a position to be trained and to be coached. And he wants to be my friend. He wants to, and he's there for that. There are times I'm being trained by a loving father. You've got to hear this. Please don't look at your dad and try to make the comparison if your dad wasn't loving. But by a loving father who's given me his word and he has kept it alive for a long time. The most accurate book in all of history is the Bible. And he's kept his word alive for me so that I could be trained. And there are times I'm in the word and I'm like, man, I'm being trained. And other times I look at it and I'm like being coached. Good job, good job, you're doing good here. You gotta keep this up. And I find so oftentimes when I'm looking for the right thing to say, at times making a decision that I have to make, something I wouldn't normally do, I realize God just coached me how to do it. You ever tried to say something? You're like, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I know I gotta say something. When I walk into this meeting, when I gotta, I gotta have something to say. And the Holy Spirit just, he was your coach at the right time. He told you how to line up. He told you the play that was taking place. And oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. There are also times I feel like he's my friend. He says himself he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I don't know if you ever see him as a friend, but he's such a good friend. He wants to hang out with you all the time. I really try hard to keep my seat, my passenger seat, clear of a bunch of junk. And I do that because I like to talk to him like he's my friend sitting right in the truck with me. And I, he's not my co-pilot. He is my pilot and I'm driving for him. He's the one that takes it all. See, he's such a friend that it's the funnest relationship you can ever have when you see Jesus as your friend. But it's hard to see him as your friend when you won't let him train you, you won't let him coach you, and you've never been disciplined, and the word should be doing all of those. Are, are you getting that? Okay, so I've been asked over the years, Pastor, I, I've just got a lot of choices to make, but right now, the biggest choice that I have to make in life is I, I, I want to know how to find a mate. Now, I know that some of you are going, really? Yeah, this is where I'm going. I've had this on my heart all summer. You can ask staff. I've been talking about it. I just couldn't wait to talk about this. The, the, the faith to live by God's plan. Well, if God has a plan for me to have a mate, what is it? 
because I need to know. I need to know how to do this. Now, if you've already found one, please don't shut me out. This is really important because I'm going to get to another point after I do these. And you might look back and say you messed the whole thing up, and that's okay. Just ask forgiveness, and let's move forward from this point on. The events that happen in life, I've just, I've understood just in Michelle and I's life, I've found that when I discovered God's will for my life, finding a mate or whatever the decision is, when you just, I know that was God's will, it's like somehow I've always known it. God, I'm, I'm needing you to come through. I mean, I never dreamed 25, well, it's longer than that. Yeah, 25, 30 years. I never dreamed that I would be pastoring a church. That was just not in my plan. But do you know the second that Michelle and I answered the call to pastor, it was like, I've always known that that was what I was supposed to. I'm, how did I, that makes no sense, but it's just like all of a sudden, somehow, everything came together to make perfect sense. I understand God had a, God's plan was being executed the whole time. When I was singing in these churches all over the country, I didn't realize, but God's plan was really just being, and one day I'd be pastoring a church. And I just, the day-to-day -day choices we make, God can use for something you've not even thought about in being in his plan. All right, I'm, my, my voice is getting higher. The, the events and fragments of life, looking back and key choices that you make, I pray start making sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow, God, uh, you, you're making sense. Okay, so how do you find a mate? Because I want this to make sense. I, I want you to one day when you're getting real close to marriage, I want it to make sense for you and you go, oh yeah, this was exactly God's plan. So I want you to know that you can find scripture for getting married, for finding a mate. You can understand that finding a mate can bless the short-term life that you, I mean, your short-term goals and plans. It can bless your long-term. It can bless those closest to you. It can bless them short-term and long-term. I'm just tell you, I'm, I'm blessed to have Kenan as a son-in-law. Now, may, maybe not everybody thinks that. Well, good, he's not yours, he's mine. And I, there are things I have to deal with, and he has to deal with me. But understand this. I'm blessed short-term and long-term, and I, I knew it when Tristan started dating him. And I was just praying she didn't mess the whole thing up. She came close a few times. I pray that it will bless the kingdom of God. See, all, all of these things, is it wise for the decisions you're making on finding a mate? Now, it's easy to look at someone that's already married and go, yeah, that was probably a good idea. But when you're not married, you've got to know that there's scripture to back up marriage, a lot of it. There is also a lot of wisdom in it because it keeps you out of a lot of trouble. And it also will bless all those around you and the kingdom of God. All right, so there's back to the two points that I try to live by. But you still got to know the steps to find a mate. Okay, this all sounds good. I know that I'm, that's a good, it sounds like a good idea. I'm in. I want to find a mate. I want to find a mate. Now, if you've already got one, you're not looking. But if you're not, listen, this is some good stuff tonight. So what are the steps? 
God created man for woman. Would everybody agree with that? God created woman for man. Would everybody agree with that? Okay, this is good. Okay, Adam and then Eve. We don't know this, but it's a very interesting story here. Adam was created, and we don't know how long it was from Adam's creation till the start of Eve's. Now, you've got a few scriptures there, but you don't, you don't know how long Adam was by himself. And, and, then, and then Eve shows up uh, on waking up. I mean, am I in a dream? There she is. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. Genesis 2.20. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. And right after verse 20, is verse 21 and 22, woman was made. Genesis 2.18 says it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper. It's not good for man to be alone. Now here's what I want you to see. You got to get this understanding that God has a mate for you one day. Adam was placed in a job before he was given a woman. God's first command was to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That means that God's first promise was a wife because he couldn't do it alone. Before God gave him a wife, though, he gave him a job. So Adam's naming the animals. This is his job. He's naming the animals. And probably notice that every time the animals had come up, there was two of them. And yet he was only one. No other species was alone, just Adam. And God said it's not good to be alone. Now, I want to point out something here. Adam, it never says, was lonely but he was alone, but he wasn't lonely. God did not bring Eve to satisfy loneliness. He had no reason to be lonely because he had a perfect garden and a perfect God. You you need to hear that in this story. See, the story is very significant. He needed a mate for companionship and to fulfill God's plan for multiplication and replenishing the earth. He, that's, that's what Adam needed. Now, the story of Adam until the day God made a woman for him can be explained based on four points that we need to observe. And so these four points are the way you find a wife or a husband. So number one, you ready? Come on. If you're not married, you go, I'm ready. Number one, get to work. Get a job. Go to work. Work all the time. Adam was given a job before given a woman. Young women, be warned. I just need you to hear this from somebody in case your parents don't tell you. Don't get serious with a young man who doesn't have a job. Thank you. Contrary to the movies, you can't live off love. 
No one takes love checks or love credit cards. <laughs> Young men need taught that they need a job and they need to learn at that job the importance of providing not just for themselves, but for someone they haven't met yet. It's just very important. So you, you don't only have a job to supply physical needs or physical wants, but you have a job in the kingdom. And young women, if you are looking for a man, don't consider that man until you know he is a kingdom worker, not just holding a job that'll bring a paycheck. So this is real important. You need to find someone that's working and you need to be someone who is working. Not only at a job, but at your church. Church is the best place to find godly-like-minded mates. It's just the best place to be. Number two, first one is get to work. Number two, go to sleep. Story of Adam. He's given a job and then he gets put to sleep. And he was willing. And you know why he was willing? Because he trusted God. And as you're faithful and, and you're being faithful and planning to do what God has asked you to do, you stand on his promise and God recognizes that you are alone, not lonely. And he is not moved by a need in your life. He's moved by faith in your life. We've talked about that all year. Faith in his promise. You do your part and don't get caught up on doing God's part. Adam could have done nothing to get Eve. This is a great point. He went to sleep and let God do his part. He went to sleep and God did his part. His company, his company, God's company, God's friendship is very important. When you're living under the discipline of the word all the time, God's not out providing a really something for you. That happens once you have committed yourself to, I'm, I've learned, I've been taught, I've been coached, I'm in a friendship stage, that's where Adam was. And when he was there, he was able to rest in the promise of God. And while he was resting, God was creating. God was bringing forth. Are, are you getting this? So you've got to enter a rest. Hebrews 4.9, there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There's always a rest for the people of God. Now the next two of these promises uh, are, are these these points and how to find a man are God's response to our obedience. And you've got to be looking for this. So number three, God will provide in God's timing. We spend our life wanting our own timing. I understand that. But you've got to stand on what he's already made possible. He made a mate for Adam. He will provide one for you. Well, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, I'm just Talking about the word tonight, once again, we're going to live by the word. You're looking for a mate. You've got to live by the word. And you've got to know he's going to provide one for you. And when he does, you then have an opportunity to once again give voice to a choice. I've watched a lot of people live life and God brought person after person right there and they never made a choice. You have a responsibility in the choice. 
So you choose. When Adam woke out of his sleep, I'm so thankful he didn't say, nope, not interested in that one, God. (laughs) You know, he made the right choice after he rested. And he rested knowing God's promise. See, God will provide in God's timing. And number four, God will bring the person to you. God will bring the person to you. That's often a lot of hard thinking here, and I know it's tough. But in the circles you put yourself in to serve God, he will supernaturally, while you're working and while you're resting, bring them to you. And you've got to believe that. See, going and looking for a mate in an environment that is not going to be a blessing to you and others and the kingdom is not wise. And when you're doing something not wise, you're doing something not Jesus. Did you get that? And so you're wanting the blessing of a mate, yet you're operating in no wisdom. You're not thinking about the decisions you're making, how it's going to affect. All of this goes together, and I've got a lot of points here, but you've got to make them all work together. There's nothing wrong with going to a singles Bible study. I want you to know that. There's nothing wrong with that. But going and looking for a mate and believing that that's the only way God can is putting yourself in the position of God. I have for years watched people in this church say, well, there's just not enough choices here. There's not enough choices here? That's really putting Adam down. God brought one. (laughs) And for us to get caught up on, I don't know if I have enough choices, you've missed God's plan, right? I'm just wanting a whole bunch to choose from. We had to have a talk in our house about this. I mean, this church was not always this size. (laughs) And we had a little bitty pond. And everybody kind of looked at everybody at one point. But none of them were Adam. He only got one choice. You just can't be real choosy. If God brings them and you're in God's will and God's plan, you need to know that he created them for you. All of that works only when you're doing all this other stuff. But when you try to do God's part, you've messed the whole thing up. I I, got to go on. Can you give me just a couple more minutes because I got to finish this. Exodus 14, 13, Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. We get in a real hurry about running around trying to get rescued based on the way we want it. And God has a plan for your life. And he does all of this by your and through your faith in him to fulfill his promises. Now, many are sitting here thinking, okay, I didn't come to church to hear a message about finding a mate. And I get that. But understand this. These simple four points are how you live life on earth according to God's plan. See, number one, if you'll just get a job and you'll serve You can live life according to God's plan. This works in every area, not just finding a mate. Get a job. Go to work. Stay faithful. We are to be working, not always secular in nature, but making your helping or your working, helping God's people. 
helping God's people. Galatians 6.10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. It's while you're working that God brings his blessing into your life. Number two, you got to understand this. If you're looking for God's will and plan for your life, after you go to work, go to sleep. I just can't sleep. We are to rest in his promises. Rest in his word. Worry and fretting just shouldn't be happening in the life of a Christian. It's not going to help you sleep, and it's not allowing God to do his part. So you've got to know that God's promises are real. They're giant, and they're big. Your greatest fulfillment does not come from finding God's will for your life. Your greatest fulfillment comes from you being a blessing and helping other people. So start working, quit worrying and complaining, be committed to the rest of your life for work and the rest of your life to sleep knowing God's promise is coming and just work and go to sleep and work and go to sleep and work and go to sleep. And I'm telling you, God will bring his plan into fruition into your life. You can rest in that. Number three, God will create a perfect plan for you. See, he's going to create a perfect woman for the... He's going to create a perfect plan for you. You're unique, and God will create a perfect plan for your life. And he does it when you're moving based on your choices that he has placed in front of you. You have a choice every day to pray, and prayer is important so that you can be aware of his plan. See, when it stares you right in the face, you need to know that that was God. And prayer allows you to know. And there's a bunch of chatter going on all around you because we live in a world Well, you ought to be praying in the Spirit because praying in the Spirit is a very important element and it's just like putting on noise-canceling headphones. It shuts everything else out and lets you center your life based on what God has for you. You know, when Adam woke up, he saw that God had been doing a lot while he was resting on his behalf. And I just think that's pretty cool. And the number four point, which was, once again, with finding your mate, but it's also living according to God's plan, is God will bring his plan to you. We almost moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas, trying to follow God's plan and how big a mistake that would have been. God brought his plan right here. He wants to find you working and resting and you'll wake up one day and then right there in front of you're like, wow. And it's like, this has always been. It's just, it's, it's so awesome. And you do all of this just by knowing the word, just by knowing the word. I hope you like this Faith 2 series. It really made an impact in my life. Y'all stand with me. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.